0: Welcome to Business Line's State of the Economy podcast, where you will find insight, analysis and the story behind the numbers.
1: Hello and welcome to Business Line's State of the Economy podcast. This is the personal finance podcast that will be done every month. My name is Aarti Krishnan. I am a consulting editor with the Business Line and I will be anchoring this monthly podcast for you. For the first episode of this podcast, we are pleased to have with us Mr. A. Balasubhavanyam. CEO and Managing Director of Aditya Birla Sun Life Mutual Fund. Bala is one of the real veterans of the Indian debt market and has been tracking it for nearly three decades in capacities as a fund manager of Debt Mutual Fund's Chief Investment Officer. And today he is the CEO of Aditya Birla Sun Life Mutual Fund where he has held this position for over 10 years. So, Bala has been tracking the debt markets from the time when uh, small saving schemes used to offer 15% interest rates and companies used to borrow at 20%. So, let's hear Bala on the recent developments in the debt investing space. So, to start with the hot topic yesterday's monetary policy. Uh, so, um, I think the market was a bit surprised by the fact that RBI decided to pause the rates. Uh, but the bigger question, I think, for investors in debt and for depositors, etc. is, is this the real end of this rate hiking cycle or should we all be prepared for rates to go up a little more? Because I think uh, they have left the window open, no, saying that if inflation goes up, then we may consider further rate hikes. What is your view on?
0: I think uh, one, first and foremost, uh, I was not surprised on the RBI move. because I was of the opinion that things are a lot more under control uh, for RBI to take a pass on. People do look at every time FED has increased the rate, therefore, RBI also increased the rate. Yeah. And if you look at the pace of increase in the US, is almost about 450 basis points. And pace of increase in India yeah. is substantially lower than that. So we have raised only by 250 basis points. Great. Whereas US has been quite substantially higher than us. And the reason is RBI has been looking at our data points, which is domestic data points. And what are those data points clearly looks at currency, how currency has been behaving a lot more under control compared to the last quarter this quarter current account deficit has improved
1: yeah
0: second is inflation is marginally higher but it's too early to jump the gun saying inflation will hurt at this point of time given the fact the food inflation and uh, and poor um, inflation have gone up marginal at the same time need to be considered rather need to be looked at on the back of the drop in commodity prices in the last one and a half months Second is food inflation is, uh, margin has gone up, but uh, also need to be looked at from rabi crop output point of view. Mm-hmm. And then how the uh, next crop preparation is happening. I think it's too early to take a call, Illinois effect and so on and so forth. The preparation for next round of cultivation, I think is going in a full swing across the country. Given the uh, general water dam levels in the country is quite robust in the sense dam levels um, in terms of you actually to supply water for the next year it still remains good so keeping all those in mind uh, I think RBI was not a surprise for me and uh, in terms of um, rates I think there is general feeling the peak interest rates uh, we already peaked The thing is uh, that is only there is only call in the rates I think there is no such peak or uh, uh, is not like a trough or bottom types in the market that we always see. Right. So uh, the peak interest rate regime, 6.5%, we keep saying is this peak. But I think RBA never has said there's a peak rate. RBA will always keep their options open. Okay, for think- them, there's no peak or uh, low. I think for them, uh, they have to keep their options open. What Governor has mentioned, uh, keeping the options open more for the market to uh, form not form expectations that immediately either they'll not hike it. Or they'll not reduce it. Either side, they are not allowing the market to have that assumption. Right. But my personal belief is having uh, raised interest rates substantially, and the real impact of that will start reflecting one on the growth outlook. Yeah. Second is moderate inflation also have to come along with that. The job losses in US continues and wage growth comes down. And uh, the slowdown that happens in US. To start with again the commodity prices generally remaining weak i think it continues for a little prolonged period of time though there is a opec uh, cutting down the production that's right. increases generally i've seen cutting down production is shows a weakness that doesn't show the strength okay so um if i have to consider this weakness then there is no reason why oil price has to spike up okay so that is being the case there is a high, high probability the high, current interest rate regime we can call it as higher uh, uh, for longer but higher for longer could remain okay and instead of cutting in a hurry as we mm. start seeing the inflation moderating
1: right.
0: they won't cut in a hurry they will allow it to stay where they are today uh, for a little longer of the whole of uh 23-24. and um in terms of further rate hike I think it looks to be difficult, even in the US. Even the US also, hey, my own feeling hey. is incremental um, rise in rates, policy mm-hmm. rates. I'm saying uh, may not happen. And India also, my own belief is uh, incremental rate hike will not happen. If at all, it'll be a pause for long and uh, then a reduction in the year 24.
1: Right. so today after a long time actually savers are seeing high interest rates on bank deposits on small saving schemes recent revisions were there so uh, do you think people should try and lock into long term options at this place or uh, everybody loves to wait for the market interest rate to hit 8% but that never seems to happen
0: correct i think from a savers point of view see what was said then the current interest rates uh, at least the real rate of interest on this uh, is actually about one hundred percent you get. Right. I mean, 6% inflation, right. and if I get about 7.5%, 8%, it definitely is not a bad rate at all.
1: Correct.
0: So Therefore, to the extent savers have to look at locking their money for long-term. Right. Uh, that's something which I think it's worth uh, doing it, because if you take the compounding effect of this, mm. for a period of 3 years or 5 years, 7 years, is far higher. Mm. Second is, people may argue that... Um, uh, equity uh, may give you better return which is fine right. but equity also they, if interest 8 percent and uh, gdp is about six and a half percent then equity return will be roughly, uh, roughly about 11 and 12 percent so the significant alpha that you otherwise you get in equity is also reduced at this point of time right therefore it makes more sense to look at long term uh, debt uh, right from a savers uh, point of view whether they it, it go to right. deposits And maybe somebody is giving a ten-year deposit; it's worth locking in for him. And if I get a ten-year bond, it's worth buying and keeping it for that that matter. And if you look at mutual fund, even after the LTCG going away, Mm. and if you have a longer-term money, (laughs) it's worth locking in. And given the fact uh, the rates are uh, elevated level, and as the interest rate starts uh, coming down the naturally the savers generally that is the time they start thinking locking in i think the savers should always think about locking in for long term right when the rates are high when
1: they start falling then there is a scramble to go and lock right
0: yeah if there is a fall then banks they will also start reducing the deposit rates the general tendency for savers is always to go and lock your money the moment i say i'll reduce interest rate for next week onwards (laughs) or the moment i say my interest rate is reduced yeah, so that is the mentality of most of the savers. So my own belief okay. is when the rates are being uh, high and they they chase you also for uh, money, that's the I think best time to lock in because there's a need of money for the uh the borrowers, correct? Right. And uh, as long as uh, one has got cash flow known for long term, then it's always worth putting in money at that point of time. Even uh, even the fission come, I've seen the pattern being very muted. Or negative is always the best time to invest in bond market. Correct. Uh, because uh, all the mark-to-market loss get adjusted. Right. Therefore, to the extent portfolio goes up. Right. And the portfolio going up means my accrual is uh, for longer. Right. And then mark-to-market gainer loss will come. So that's the way I always yeah. historically
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, look at the bond market uh, investors yes. in the mutual fund schemes.
1: This is like, uh, usually people find it difficult to understand this inverse correlation between bond prices and uh, interest rates. But this is like actually buying into stocks after prices have fallen, right? So when past returns on uh, say gilt funds or debt funds are negative, it shows that bond prices have fallen a lot and yields have gone up. So that is a good period to buy. When exactly. past returns are in double digits, it shows that a lot of rise has happened in bond prices and that is not a great time to be. Right,
0: hey, that is home. exactly. I think that's a simple way of uh, analyzing it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is uh, I call it as a common sense kind of principle.
1: <laughs> yes. I think yes. if you
0: apply that to itself, I think people can jump yes. and uh, buy. Yes.
1: So you talked of people rushing to put deposits before the last uh, date and all. The same thing has happened with debt funds I think with these uh, changes from April 1st actually the long term capital gains benefit on uh, debt funds has been removed. So you won't get indexation if you hold debt funds for more than 3 years. So before March 31st there was a big scramble to go and Mm -hmm. invest in debt funds and now there is a fear that after April 1st people will shy away from debt funds. So uh, do you think debt funds the case for investing in debt funds has uh, been eroded a lot because of this tax uh, change
0: See, first and foremost because of tax benefit we didn't get a big money in any case
1: mm.
0: though the tax benefit has been there for quite some time the retail investors would have come they had it come from tax benefit the industry would be sitting on about two times higher than the current industry size <laughs> so that is one way of looking at it therefore people have come for variety of purposes it has been offering the solution which uh, which 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 is which is been the uh, allocation model, which people have come. So definitely the added advantage that they had, which is basically the indexation benefit, and the long-term capital and tax.
1: Correct.
0: Uh, just for indexation, it comes to 20%. Therefore, the tax element was used to go to 8-9% kind of things. So that's uh, definitely gone away. But having said that, um, at least unlike uh, deposits, where every income that is generated is taxed at the rate of uh, every year it taxed. Whereas in the mutual fund, you have you'll have tax only at the time of redemptions. So it's basically a uh, as and when you redeem that time the tax consideration comes. And second is whatever the <clears throat> income that comes in mutual fund, it comes in the form of a growth. So essentially it comes in the form of a capital gain. Therefore, you have to pay the short-term capital gain tax. The short-term capital and tax is linked to your uh, tax rates.
1: Okay.
0: So individual uh, taxes. Somebody will pay fifteen percent. Somebody will pay twenty percent. Somebody will thirty percent. They ought to pay tax that tax rate. So therefore, to the extent it will not be too much, uh, what you call discourage people to uh, come. In. I think if somebody is still convinced they can come, and third is um, where do you capture the interest rates uh, movement in a live basis. So I am a believer. Uh, the biggest advantage of uh, mutual fund, the, if the interest rates moves up. Uh, how does it reflect for the consumer savers' point of view? Immediately, then and there. Correct. Correct. it is a mutual fund. Correct. Whereas uh, whatever you put in uh, deposits uh, and it doesn't reflect the interest rate movement that prevailing in the market. Correct. So actually, you have locked your money, therefore they get uh, what you what you get. They give you what they what they have promised you. Whereas let us assume a scenario: you locked your money at seven percent in deposits, uh, and now interest rate has gone to about say nine percent. Correct. Would you be able to capture that in the bank deposits? No. You can't. But can you capture this in the mutual fund fixed income scheme? Definitely the answer is yes. Yes. Because my lending, whatever money comes, I'm lending in the market at the prevailing interest rate to a borrower. Yes. Okay. Not to the depositors. Yes. So It's reverse. Yeah. Therefore, I always get the benefit of uh, me as an individual, instead of me as a lender, which I cannot become a lender. But can I be a lender in the market or investor in the market in various bonds? The answer is yes, through the mutual funds. That's why I think mutual fund acts as a, one of the resource for the borrowers uh, through the public retail money. Therefore, the relevance of fit income schemes will uh, remain. The tax advantage, which of course has gone to the extent it disincentivized people, no doubt. But again, if you look at objectively the safety, liquidity, and the return which are linked to the market, if you look at it from that angle, say on a five or 10 year basis, taking into account the compounding that it can generate, say the 7% return or 8% return or 9% return, whichever packet in which it falls, I think it will still remain relevant as an asset class. So only thing is uh, we had some kind of, if in the picking order, if we put it, uh, we always used to come automatically on the top because of tax benefit. Correct. So now that is being taken away,
1: Hmm. but that doesn't
0: mean the relevance goes off significantly
1: right and you also get anytime liquidity right with open and mutual funds so
0: yeah exactly uh, there is no prepayment closure there okay. is no okay. uh, you don't need to go and ask bankers and so right. on and so forth and you don't need to depend on market liquidity right so yeah we give an instantaneous uh, redemption that we provide uh, and uh, and from my interest point of view is a, a nomination if you put it is something untoward happens the process is very simple Correct. Easy process. And therefore, mutual fund will remain. Uh, the edge that mutual funds have got I uh, will remain. People always say that noise market to market, therefore I want a stable steady return. But if income is one instrument, you give time, it gives a steady return. If you don't give time, it doesn't give you mm. it doesn't give you the record return that you may have in your mind. But when I give time means three years. If I give mm-hmm. time of three years, the curve will be a little fluctuating, but it will be a linear curve. Uh, it will be fluctuating okay right. uh, so that's the benefit that mutual funds provide that relevance in my way will remain right the other thing also that people think actually if they put money in mutual funds it did come i had to withdraw in one go but nobody withdraws money in one go for the purpose mm. of uh, any requirements i think the beauty of mutual fund would be a systematic withdrawal okay without any pre if you put money in deposits uh, it all comes in the form of prequest right. Correct. Whereas the mutual funds, you can withdraw only to the extent of the body, what you want. Hmm. So um, so the moment you withdraw only what you want, in that capital tax element is very least. Because there almost about 90% will be the um, 95% or maybe hmm. 90% will be the uh, capital component. Correct. Which and won't be the balance. Be correct. Hmm. The balance will be the income component equivalent. Which will be the under tax element will be very, very small. So though you'll end up paying still 25% tax or 30% tax, which was tax back in when you come. But on a monthly basis, when you do a withdrawal, mm-hmm. the tax incidence is the least. Okay. By any chance, assuming scenario, medium HI person, or maybe uh, or I've been put tax planning have doing and we have by any chance capital loss, short-term capital loss, you can adjust against the short-term capital loss also. The short-term capital loss could either come from securities yeah. or come from real estate. Hmm. or come from the uh, trading in the market So such kind of capital loss can also be adjusted against short-term capital gain. Right, right. So there are ways and means of doing it. Only thing is we are all expecting a faster growth to come <laughs> in the fixed income space because of the uh, tax benefit and rates where they're high. Right. And the differential uh, attraction between equity and fixed income with fixed income becoming one of the most attractive asset class today. Yeah. We were hoping that we'll be able to grow the industry much faster uh, given the fact that 70-80% uh, of the population in the country still depend on fixed uh, income-oriented investment opportunities through fixed deposits, that could potentially become one of the target segments for mutual fund. That still remains, but the rate of growth to the extent of uh, change in the acquisitions would come down.
1: Okay. So when choosing a debt mutual fund today, which segment is looking attractive, sir? Because there are gilt funds, target maturity funds focused on government securities and state government securities. Then there are corporate bond funds which invest in high quality corporate bonds like AAA and AAA. Then there are credit risk funds and first funds, medium duration kind of funds, which take some <laughs> amount of credit risk like AA rated securities, etc. So, where is uh, where do you get the best risk reward today uh, if you look at the market uh, situation?
0: See, as it stands today, uh, definitely the open ended, actively managed debt funds. Uh, like corporate bond fund or uh, dynamic bond fund or the credit fund would be the most ideal mm.
1: uh,
0: for one simple reason when the, uh, these investments will be made between uh, GSEX AAA and AA minus AA- kind of securities. Therefore, mm. potential risk coming from the credit is taken care.
1: Right.
0: And secondly, if you have a little higher credit exposure, which is basically corporate bond exposure, Mm. they generally tend to borrow at 30 40 basis points higher than the so uh, 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 same maturity government securities bonds or tables yeah so 40 50 basis points, you get a yield kicker and third is uh, assuming you mean interest rate like that has happened in recent past and there's a huge demand for money comes in from a credit offtake big time mm-hmm. then the also credit widening also will happen okay. this year you'll see government borrowing program will start Correct. As the government borrowing pro- program starts, the yield generally uh, moves up when the credit market uh, picks up. So the borrowing cost increases, therefore the credit increases. The mutual fund money manager generally capture this by investing in the corporate bond, and uh, which is comprising of AAA and AA, A AA- minus kind of things. So therefore, from investors' point of view, if your time is longer, then no one must uh, choose this. Okay. The target defined. It's uh, I call it as a bit of lazy investing. Uh, because you come for a certain period of, say, three years or five years, I don't do right. managing damage. I don't do dynamically manage the funds. And the extent is more like a buy and hold kind of right. thing. But the fixed income one wants to one has to capture and stay invested for long term and capture the interest rate movement at all point of time. It is the dynamically managed funds, which is basically comprising of a corporate bond fund, two to three years or three to five years kind of durations. Medium term plan again, two to three years can kind have of durations, go across all credit market and dynamic bond fund or credit fund. So these are four asset classes so once you look at it. But of course, not the last but not the least. Within the fixed income category, it's called equity savings fund. Correct. Which invests roughly about um, 38% in equity or 36% in equity. And balance comes in the form of uh, debt. Uh, or even balance, or do fund kind of things, which invests roughly about 40-40% in equity. And they think the exposure to equity, depending upon where the equity market moves. If somebody's got long-term time horizon, and uh, those funds also could actually serve the purpose of uh, fixed income investing with the, some portion of the equity coming in, yeah, over right. a period of 10 years, uh, this kind of mix delivers a little better than the fixed income schemes, but a little lower than the equity schemes.
1: Correct. And you will get to indexation benefit in such schemes.
0: Uh, yeah, in such schemes, you'll get the indexation benefit as well. That is the okay. new thing that probably will evolve. I also believe that because of these taxations coming in, mm. this hybrid asset class, which has got a huge merit for it to be large yes. in size in the customer portfolio, would start gaining some attractions as an alternate to a traditional okay. fixed income mutual fund investing uh, with some allocation going there. Right.
1: So uh, one thing that many uh, slightly sophisticated or h investors are doing today is they are looking at these portfolio yield to maturity of debt funds. So this is actually for the uh, benefit of uh, listeners. It's portfolio yield to maturity is the average yield of the securities held by a uh, debt fund. So. So they seem to think that uh, suppose the portfolio yield to maturity is say 8.5% or 9%, then I should choose that fund over another fund for which the YTM is less. So is this a good approach and is the YTM really a good indicator of future returns?
0: The YTM is the one generally used for the pricing of the bond. And uh, therefore, YTM is one of the considerations that one should look at it. Uh, Second, of course, quality. Uh, If the average YTM says about 7%, Mm. and suddenly somebody is giving 9% correct how is different It's different because he has gone down the credit lines and the credit curve and basically he taken a risk which is higher than the which others would have taken the risk right therefore one has to just measure the risk like this okay so um, once you are done i think ytm is the ultimately is the is the rate at which on a daily basis the nav is calculated calculated so therefore to the extent the true indicator that we should look at it Second, the fit income schemes are two components which are there for the NABA database NAV. One is the YTM or the coupon, whichever coupon yeah. is at which your accrual happens on daily basis. Basically, the interest to be received from the company in which you have made investment in the bonds, that's the interest accrual happens every day basis. Whereas the YTM reflects the mark to market component also. That component is generally is not very high. It's about roughly about 15 20% will be the mark to market component okay. of the NAV calculation. Addressed to 80% to the accruals. If I have to take this as a cushion, the 80% is a cushion for the portfolio return for the long term. With that coupon, irrespective of what happens, coupon always comes. But the price, the moment, depending upon the YTM, depending upon the interest rate movement, either can give me a substantial gain, it can also give me a substantial loss. But still, since the large component of the annual come from the coupon accrual, <clears throat> the portfolio gets the necessary protection on an ongoing basis. That's why if you look at fixed income schemes, <laughs> even after losing credit loss, even after having credit loss, even after having to market, market loss and rising interest rates in a year, the, they are not given a capital erosion because the large component of NAV is also coming from the day-to-day accrual of uh, coupon. Correct.
1: The longer you hold the fund, the more is this coupon component, right? Which is Correct. coming. Correct. Which is why you say that when you hold it over the long term, you will get a smooth return, whereas short term, this price fluctuation will be affecting your returns quite a bit.
0: Right. It, it can actually make your uh, make you disbelieve.
1: Mm.
0: That disbelief, in my view, is the, is something not warranted. Right. right. Yeah.
1: So now, if you see after the latest revisions, even small savings plans <laughs> offer pretty good returns. For example, the senior citizen savings scheme offers eight point two percent. NSC is offering seven point seven. So, how should an investor actually mix investments between, say, bank FDs? small savings schemes, and debt mutual funds. I mean, how should this allocation be decided?
0: See, somebody doesn't have, of course, much of tax related worry, like senior citizen and others. They must avail the benefit that they are getting from the uh, fixed deposits, Okay, they get additional, the previous fund they get as a senior citizen.
1: Right.
0: When the government of India is giving uh, through the postal saving deposits, almost about in a year, they have a pretty large sum of money being raised to the post deposits, which again being part of the fiscal.
1: Correct.
0: Uh, to the extent that they must avail it, uh, as long as they have within that um, tax consideration.
1: Right.
0: But in addition to that, whatever money that they can commit,
1: mm-hmm.
0: then they can come to the mutual fund. But again, apply the same principle as you apply for 10-year or 5-year NSC. Because what people do is, when they go to savings account, saving deposits offered by post office, And there the tenor is very clear, 5 plus 2 or 5 plus
1: 3 types. Correct.
0: Therefore, there they commit for 5 years.
1: Correct.
0: But when it comes to the question of deposits, Hmm. they choose only 1 or 2 or 3 years. They don't go for 10 years. Right. So that decision, I think, they have any case, uh, keep in mind in their decision-making process point of view. After exhausting these two things uh, for a taxpayer. For taxpayers, it doesn't matter. I think taxpayers, we can go to any any other thing. Because anyway, the tax remains the same. But all taxpayers should avail the benefit of STCG benefit, and that's something you should keep in your mind because we always right, think we'll only make mm-hmm. profit all the time. There is a period mm-hmm. where we'll also we'll make a loss on somewhere. Correct. But so the loss, if it comes, can you do your tax planning at that point of time using this capital gain that comes in fixed income schemes? We must use it. Right. So the number of India gives very limited option for tax saving options. Mm-hmm. So that we should use it because it's a legitimate right of me to right. uh, use that. Yeah.
1: So, that what you are saying is the returns that you make from debt funds are always treated as capital gains and now they are treated as short term capital gain. Because it is a capital gain, if you are making a loss on your other shares or other investments, you, the set of possibilities there. Whereas on your deposits or small savings schemes, when it is taxed, it is taxed as your income, it is not taxed as capital gains, right? So, that set and, of and possibilities. Cool, Anna, every year basis. Correct. Every year you will be paying tax. Here you will be paying tax only if you redeem and you take out exactly there also you've offered a good idea saying you no need to take out all your money from debt mutual funds if you don't need it you can do a systematic withdrawal or you can withdraw in phases whenever a need comes up isn't it
0: correct exactly
1: exactly okay thank you so much Bala I think we are at the end of our session it was a very insightful session indeed and I hope investors have a lot of takeaways from this
0: thank you Arthi this is my pleasure to be part of the show of Hosted by Business Line and yourself
1: thank you